Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. Welcome to Late Lunch this Thursday afternoon. But in Washington, it's the morning after the day before. And what a momentous day it was yesterday. And joining me again on Late Lunch, and I'm really grateful to her, is the Irish Times Washington correspondent, Suzanne Lynch. Hello, Suzanne. Hello. Good morning, Jerry. I have a copy of the Irish Times here sitting beside me on the desk at home here. I was down to the shop first thing this morning. Let me tell you, you're hogging the headlines. You have page one, (laughs) two, three. Well done to you. You must have been beavering away like mad yesterday. Anyway, look, congratulations to you guys. And I always say I love your coverage. Look, before we talk, would you mind if we had a little listen to Joe Biden yesterday? Just a little clip from his uh, speech after he was inaugurated. So let's have a listen first to Joe Biden. This is America's day. This is democracy's day. A day of history and hope, of renewal and resolve. Through a crucible for the ages, America has been tested anew, and America has risen to the challenge. Today, we celebrate the triumph not of a candidate, but of a cause, the cause of democracy. The people The will of the people has been heard, and the will of the people has been heeded. We've learned again that democracy is precious, democracy is fragile, and at this hour, my friends, democracy has prevailed. It certainly has. And Suzanne, you capture some of those wonderful words on the front page of the Irish Times today. It is very true. Democracy in the States has been tested to the limit, Suzanne. Mm, It is. And I think what was so uh, poignant about yesterday was that Joe Biden was taking this oath of office exactly on the spot where uh, the Trump supporters breached the Capitol two weeks to the day before the inauguration. So, you know, the contrast was unbelievable sitting, looking at this building. It's just such a beautiful building. And it was with the red and blue uh, flags everywhere. And then just you could, couldn't but think of what had happened there in the same spot two weeks before. And I thought it was interesting because everyone, you know, Joe Biden is talking about unity and bringing people together. But he didn't shy away from that either. And I was kind of surprised. But I, I think he was right. It, within the first few sentences of his speech, he mentioned the fact that this had happened. 
you know, and yet other people introducing him, Amy Klobuchar, she said it too. So um, there was an awareness, the sense of God, this this might not have happened. You know, democracy is fragile because here we are two weeks later. We're at a very different inauguration, so uh, constrained, so scaled back. But we are here. And, you know, thinking back on what happened two weeks ago, this might not have happened. So it made it all the more special, uh, I think, for the country and for everyone, definitely for me being there as well, that it was just, it was taking place in this context. I thought it was marvellous. They made the best of very difficult, uh, a very difficult situation with COVID, as you say, and the security element. Just on an aside, the security, like you're so familiar with Washington, this ring of steel that was uh, surrounding the Capitol and those thousands of military and uh, police there yesterday. Is this set to last or what will happen with that? We don't know. Um, people here are speculating that we might never go back to the way it was. Um, like Even since last summer when there was the George Floyd protests, the White House has been much more barricaded. Usually you could get quite close to the White House, but the perimeter is extended around the White House where there's a fence. So we don't know if that's going to be the same thing with the Capitol now. Now, all those heavily armed National Guard troops, thousands of them, tens of thousands of them, that were there yesterday. I mean, they will be gone. They will return to their... They come from different states around the country and mm. they, they will dissipate. And the Capitol Police will continue to guard the Capitol. But we don't know if that fence is going to come down because it's a bit like even in the Dáil or, or, or courts across many democracies, you know, you can walk into the forecourts or you, there's, a certain, there's a certain aspect that you need to keep these buildings open, that, you know, the Capitol, that's the business of of um, you know, governance and people have the right to elect their politicians to go in and be able to kind of, if they like, call into their representatives. So they're trying to balance that sense of openness that has kind of been there by the capital. Obviously, people learned their lesson two weeks ago that there was such a security breach, but how to balance that now would be a key issue going forward. Um, but I don't think we'll ever get back to how it was before, frankly, the last six months. I think there will be a lot more security from now on. I watched Jen Psaki's first White House press conference or press briefing in the early hours of this morning. And I just take it that all round there's a sigh of relief because there wasn't confrontation. And mind you, there will be, of course, down the road. But it it, it really, you know, showed the world that a normality has returned. Yeah. I mean, she seems to be very competent as the new press secretary. People will remember watching maybe Kayleigh McEnany and Sarah Huckabee Sanders and Sean Spicer. They were the press secretaries during Trump's uh, era. So uh, Saki, she was already a spokesperson for the State Department under Obama. So she's very experienced. And you're right. I came back here yesterday and then it was the press conference was at about 7 p.m. So well into the night in Ireland. And I actually found myself thinking, oh, I want to tune into this because I actually want I, I was unclear Biden was signing executive orders, but it wasn't clear if he'd sign them all. And I, I was trying to find that out. And I said, isn't this great? I'm actually tuning in to find out information, not to see what, what kind of drama happened at the press room. And, and she, she was fulfilling that. She got up and said, well, this is what he's done on immigration. This is what he's done on the Paris Climate Agreement. So you're getting back to that's what a press conference is supposed to be, ultimately. It's not supposed to be a spectacle. It's supposed to be a place where the White House press secretary gives information and is accountable to the public through journalists who ask questions. And last night, it seems that that's what, what we had once again. And I see today she's got another press conference at 4 p.m. Joe Biden is due to speak at 2 about COVID. He's signing new orders about how to deal with the pandemic. So that's happening. So there's very much a kind of full schedule of events now for the next week or 10 days here.
Well, you mentioned COVID and he mentioned this actually early on after he was elected. He says, when I go in the first hundred days, and of course, this is always a big focus with a new president in the States. He says, I'm going to have 100 million people vaccinated in 100 days. Now, that is a tall order. I just look at us here. God help us. Five million. And they say we'll be vaccinated by September. I worked it out. 240 days. We'll do 20,000, just over 20,000 a day. We do seven days a week. Joe, come to Ireland, please. But look, we'll... Will he, you know, get there? A hundred million in a hundred days? Yeah, it'll be a tall order, and I'll tell you why. Really, it's because the the system, the health system here is so fractured. It depends where you are. Each state has been given a certain number of vaccines, and it's their job to administer them. So, you know, New York, Kansas, California, wherever you live, you're kind of stuck with that system. Now, in saying that, I have to say this, and some people made a comment to me about yesterday with social distancing. I mean, we were all tested. I had to go to the Pentagon for a test before uh, the event yesterday. And I'm presuming that most of the people on that stage have already been vaccinated. Joe Biden definitely has, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, they've all got the vaccinations. So I have to say, even though I know there's a lot of headlines about America here in COVID, where I am in Washington, and this is not the same where, where it is all over the country, but it's actually been very good. Um, like a family member had to get um like some tests done at the end of December and everyone treating them had already been, had already got their vaccine. Mm. And, you know, testing has been very good in Washington. You know, I'm confident myself I might get a vaccine in the next few months. So the problem for Biden, though, is that it's very fractured. So it depends where you are. So what's happened already is, say, in uh, in, New York, in Ohio, they had the problem where a lot of 60 percent, according to the governor, of people working in nursing homes wouldn't take the vaccine. You've got one issue there, obviously, if I take up the vaccine. You've got the other issue, then they had oversupply of vaccines. And then, as we saw in Ireland, I know, you know, how do you distribute that? So the logistical challenge in a country of this size, when you've got all different states doing their own thing, is, is, is going to be his problem, I think. Um, now, he's keeping on Fauci. Uh, he has, he's about today to announce more measures. But some of them, not to, well, not to be too critical, but, for example, last night, Joe Biden signed an executive order about wearing masks on all federal land. Like, that's kind of in place anyway, to be honest. You know, mask mm. wearing is, 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 you know, is already happening. So, you know, we do have to look at the detail of this and, and say, you know, h- how much new is actually going to be in this plan. Uh, but look, it's going to be a challenge, but he's going to be held to that 100 million vaccines um, w- within the 100 days. But it, it's going to be a tall order to do it. It certainly is. And you touched on many of the other priorities which uh, he signed executive orders on already. Some big ones there. I watched... Um, uh, Newsnight last night uh, as well on BBC Two with Emily Maitlis and uh, they were in uh, Texas talking to these guys and all I can say to you Suzanne is headbangers with uh, weapons strewn out of them everywhere and talking about uh, Texas succeeding from uh, the USA that it would become an independent country and this is the only way forward they see. Now that's an example of some of the mindset that you know how many yeah. 70 plus million people voted for the other lad I don't even want to mention him today he's gone um, but you know what I'm saying how do you bring even a, a large portion of people like that round to your way of thinking? Is it possible? Yeah it's going to be very difficult I mean Joe Biden was said a lot about unity yesterday obviously but and he he's somebody who's always worked with Republicans throughout his political career, and he thinks kind of he's confident in the ability to do that. But at the end of the day, yes, it's going to be very difficult to heal these wounds. In saying that, I think I, I've made this point that I think yesterday what struck me, one of the senators introducing Biden made the point. It's kind of a tough sentiment, but it's true. Like at the end of the day, in elections, there's a winner. One party wins, and one party loses. And this year, it's Democrats. And you know, as a result, he won. Joe Biden won decisively. 
So in a way, he's got every right to push through his own policies and his agenda. He's got a mandate. More people voted for him than voted for Donald Trump. So even though I felt he was talking about unity, he, some of the things, you know, he really rushed through 15 executive orders, two directives yesterday, you know, bringing them back into Paris, climate change, these things that will infuriate Republicans. But I suppose that's democracy, that's politics. He's got the mandate to do that. He didn't run just to sit in the Oval Office and, and talk nicely to Republicans. He ran to actually implement change. So um, you are right. I mean, I do not know. I mean, I think the task to unite the country actually falls more on Republicans. That if the senior Republicans in Congress can say to their supporters, the millions who voted for them, and say, look, there's some good things he's doing. We're working with them and we're going to try and get a few of our own policies in here. And Biden would probably, you know, work with them on that. I think that's the only way to get them get them together. I mean, we, you do have a split now in the Republican Party, I think, between the MAGA brigade, brigade the, the real Trump supporters, and then the more, you know, mainstream, traditional Republican in Kansas or whoever who always votes Republican, but maybe was never that enamored with Donald Trump. So, you know, you've got half of the parties like that, I would say. So it's their task, I think, more. And, of course, it all depends on where what Donald Trump does. Now, he may fade from, from view, I think, much more than people think, when he doesn't have the megaphone of Twitter and, like, life moves on. Uh, but again, the media, the right wing media here is very strong. So we'll see if they continue to bash Biden. They were doing it certainly last night. Uh, but mm. that might have an effect on the divisiveness here, too. Yeah, interesting uh, uh, take on it there that it is in the Republicans remit uh, to make this happen and be honest about the election and work work with Biden. But I get that feeling. I saw the there was a warmth with him and Mitch McConnell when you see them last night and, and others as well. So hopefully that will prevail. Can I ask you this? It was something I was thinking of uh, since the election happened and we've been talking. Is there any talk now of the time frame between early November, first week of November and the 20th of January? It's an awful long time for the transition to happen. And I know it's been ingrained in the American way of doing things for centuries. Is there any talk about that or do you think it needs to be looked at? I totally agree with you, Jerry. Um, it's, it's an abnormal amount of time for a losing president to have control and be in office. And I think it's always worked before, but this was the time in history where it didn't work because Donald Trump then did his best to disrupt and sow doubt about the election. But to answer your question, unfortunately, again, like a lot in America, I think the system here is wedded to the Constitution. It's not like in Ireland where we seem to be much more open to having a referendum, having a referendum on, on some part of the Constitution. There just never seems to be a serious discussion about that. So that's one thing that needs to be changed. Also, the whole electoral college system where certain states are more represented than others, like that's undemocratic. You know, if you win the most votes here, you don't win. So that should be looked at. I can't see that happening, though. Um and then even other issues like uh, gun control, the right to bear arms, you know, mm. everyone points to that, gun supporters, but they don't point out that that was obviously written over 200 years ago in a very different context, when different weapons were available, when, you know, America was a new state that had gone to war for its independence. But again, the same reason people, I don't know what it is, even on the Democratic side, you know, the, the Constitution is sacred, they don't want to go there. It, it, it justifies a lot of policies on both sides, and I, I just can't see it happening. But I completely agree with you. I think it, it should. This is something that needs to be changed. It does. And one other thing, uh, the immigration, of course, was mentioned last night. Uh, what about the undocumented Irish? Does, mm, does Biden's, yeah. you know, coming in, uh, be, be uh, would that be a positive move, you know, with the people who are there for years and years? Yeah. So, yeah, this is very significant, and it's something that kind of surprised everyone. So, we knew that Biden would do some kind of narrow measures on immigration, reverse some of the of the Trump travel bans, for example. But we didn't think he was going to 
to announce a big reform of the immigration system. And that's effectively what he's done. Now, we've been here before. Reforming the American immigration system is highly, highly complex and highly politically sensitive. You have 11 million of undocumented immigrants, a huge number in this country. So the Irish are just dropping the ocean. In fact, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but, you know, the numbers have been going down and down. Either people have passed on, either people have regularised their status, or they might have moved back. There, there are fewer numbers, they think, than might have been. In saying that, this is very, very good news for the Irish undocumented who are here, the thousands that are still here. But, Jerry, it's at the beginning of this process. He is going to need support for Congress to do it. I can't see those right-wing Republicans in Congress allowing an amnesty for undocumented. You know, he's going to have to get the agreement. Barack Obama nearly got there at one point with an immigration plan, but it's going to be a huge task. So we're only at the beginning of this process. I could still be talking to you about this in four years, I'd say. So, But it is positive. Um, and I'd say... Whatever happens with St. Brown St. Patrick's Day, if the Taoiseach will be coming, you know, it'll be certainly something that um, will, be, will be lobbied by the Irish government and you know, Ireland will be part of any deal that happens. So that is definitely a good thing. And of course, there's great hopes that he will come here at some stage during his uh, uh, tenure in the White House. You know, of course, well about his Louth and Mayo links. Do you think that's an almost certainty? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to know. Uh, the pre- new press secretary, uh, Jen Psaki, yesterday was asked where, you know, who would be his first call, on, and he said he was going to call Justin Trudeau, the Canadian Prime Minister, on Friday. So that would be quite traditional. You know, you might see Joe Biden going mm. to Canada. I mean, I'd say he'd be very reluctant, to be honest, with COVID to do much travelling. That's being completely honest. I'd say my money, yes. if anything, it will not be before the summer. Um, there is a G7 summit. America is one of the seven groups of, of leading economies. And that's in Cornwall in the UK. So obviously he could go to that and tack on a trip to Ireland. Um, but for example, there's talk of a NATO summit in Brussels and an EU summit. That's not going to happen. They're not going to have that summit in person, I'd say. So, you know, the options are, I'd say, is if he's going to the UK later in November, the big climate change summit in Glasgow, that could work too. But I'd very much say the second half of the year, even if it was to happen then, being honest. Good indeed. I'm sure they're waiting with bated breath up Cooley direction to hear that he's coming and they'll be looking for him to pay a visit again. Suzanne, you're fantastic. And just to say before you go, the ceremony yesterday to mention Lady Gaga, who was unbelievable singing the anthem, and uh, Amanda Gorman, her poetry was just sublime. It really was. It was a great ceremony in the circumstances, I say again. Look, I wish you well. Keep up the great coverage and I'm sure we will touch base with you down the road. Thanks a million for everything. Thanks a million. Thanks, Jerry. Bye. Bye. Take care of yourself. That's the wonderful Suzanne Lynch, our own Suzanne Lynch, Irish Times, Washington correspondent from Trimmon County Mead, uh, reflecting on yesterday and looking ahead as a new era begins for the states and the world under Joe Biden. Oh, when you lose keys, it's a shocking feeling. I've just been WhatsApped a picture in of a set of keys. I'm told they're Volkswagen keys and they've been found in Scarlet Crescent in Drogheda in uh, late morning. Scarlet Crescent, Drogheda, did you lose a set? It looks like Volkswagen keys. Very distinctive. There's a pink flamingo on the keys, a blue top key and certainly a trolley token as I look right there. But that pink flamingo may identify them. If you've lost the keys or you know someone has, give us a shout at the station. 1850-715-958. I mentioned Lady Gaga. Oh, my God, the hair stood in the back of my neck yesterday when she sang the national anthem, the American one. Here she is with Bradley Cooper, Shallow. I'm looking at a picture, folks, here, right beside me here, I'm just looking at it, of a beautiful, brand-new Renault 5. Do you remember the Renault 5, folks? Had you got a Renault 5? I know. We had a Renault 5 in our house. 
and Miriam's sister had one as well. Oh, they were the car at one stage to have. Well, Renault have just launched an all-electric Renault 5. It looks snazzy, I have to say. And they are bringing it back. Back Scant details at the moment, but they've announced that it will be back and that they're working on it and more news to follow. And I look at the one they rolled out to show there. It looks lovely. It really does. But the 5, do you remember it? It was a classic mark. It really was. Had you a Renault 5, there'd hardly be anyone out there that has a Renault 5 still. Nah, nah. Couldn't be. Too long a shot, I'd say. Certainly not. Would there? Anyway, if you had a Renault 5, or if there happens to be anybody with one still listening to me today, let me know, please. I'd love to hear from you. 086-1800-658. That is the WhatsApp or text number 086-1800-658. Or you can give Karen a shout on 1850-715-958. I'm fishing. I've cast the bait out. I'm waiting for the bite. Let's see if I get any. Normally can catch when I'm out on the lake. Let's see if we get anybody on the Renault 5 story this afternoon. Now, let's move on on the show. And my next guest I've interviewed her on a number of occasions. She's a fantastic woman. She was a secondary school teacher. And back in 2014, she had an idea and she says, I'm out of this teaching and away I go. She formed Cogni Kids and the rest is history. And she's on the line. Alwyn Moore and hello again. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm really good. But listen, it's not Cogni Kids. Well, we will talk about it in a moment. But listen oh, yeah. here to me, you. <laughs> I spotted somewhere and it caught my attention that you and the boys, your family, yeah have gone completely vegetarian. Deny or confirm, please. <laughs> oh, I'd have to confirm, actually. Yes, we we made the jump to be free. And not and regretting it either. When did you make this decision, Alwyn, or what prompted it? Well, you know, for the past couple of years, we've been um, kind of playing around with introducing more veggies into our diet. And, you know, the boys are now, Matthew's turning 16, I can't believe it, next week. So I'll have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old. And um, they're very into their sports. And I think a couple of years ago, they saw a movie called Game Changers or something like that. But it was all about um, the elite athletes in the Olympics and wherever else and the fact that they are actually 90% of them are vegetarian if not vegan so it really interested the boys because you know they were well Matty particularly was looking at the you know he was maybe 14 and thinking about trying to bulk up a little bit and mm. you know comparing his kind of I suppose size against some of the other guys on the team and whatever else and you know he was like can we try it and can we try introducing more um meals with just vegetarian food or you know kind of fish maybe but not meat and whatever and um so I was like okay fair enough well you know I'm not doing two dinners one for me and one for them so I said I row in with them uh so then we kind of decided to just make the jump straight in now to full vegetarian we didn't miss you know anytime you'd have a dinner and stuff without meat in it we weren't really missing it and we felt just as full and um mm. yeah so just yeah we've decided to go hell for leather now you know and i suppose with the lockdown as well and having the kids around more um the two of them love to be let loose in the kitchen and try different uh concoctions and some have worked beautifully and jerry i'm not going to lie some of them <laughs> have been absolute disasters <laughs> wouldn't even give them to the dogs now you know <laughs> but, <laughs> 
But that's the fun in it. That's the that's the you know the experimenting and finding your way as well. But so this is it now for yourselves. There is no more chicken, uh, meat, no. or fish. It's completely vegetarian all the way. I want to ask you this: yeah. Is yeah. it a difficult transition to make? You know, in terms of your shopping and you know thinking ahead. You're talking about making meals as well. You know, now all three of you have obviously bought into this, so it's a big help. Yeah. Um, oh, definitely. I, to be honest, I think if it wasn't really fueled by the kids, uh, I think I'd have an upward battle if it was me trying to convert them. Um, so the fact that they're really driving it and they've bought into it is great. Um, in terms of meals, do you know what it is? Since we've fully focused on becoming, like, you know, fully vegetarian, um, it's kind of pushed us more into being more creative and going back and finding cookbooks like the Happy Pair. So the lads love, you know, pre-COVID, obviously, whenever we'd go down to Greystones, we'd pop into the Happy Pair. And there are two kind of, um, I always raise them as being foodies, so adventurous with their food and up for tasting stuff a lot more than I would be. I'd be a much more picky eater. Um, Mm. So, yeah, so we got the Happy Pair cookbook. Um, and obviously then we got Joe Wicks, the body coach. He brought out a cookbook last year, I think, Veggie and 15 or something, and we got that. So it's just really actually kind of injected a bit of zest back into food because I think you get kind of stuck in a rush with your dinners and your lunches and, you know, like the ham and cheese yeah. toasty for lunch. Um, and, you know, then like the chicken, the veg and the spuds for dinner or whatever. And uh, like I found we were getting stuck in a rut. Um, mm. And now, you know, <laughs> it doesn't come naturally. So, you know, you have to try and kind of think, oh, jeepers. And you're looking and you have a tin of um, cannelloni beans or whatever they're called and like black eyed beans. And I'm thinking, what in God's name can I do with these? And, you know, so you're trying to go then and find some kind of recipe that you can um, make some tasty food out of. So it's, yeah, it's kind of, I suppose, giving us a good old kick in the pants now to get a bit more creative. So, it is yeah. interesting. It really is. And there are so many others. I think of uh, Hugh Fernley, who, you know, his uh, yeah. a passion for veg. Jamie Oliver has done it as well. There are so many uh, of famous chefs who've, who've gone this road as well. So there's lots of experimenting to come still. Uh, I just wonder on a Friday evening when you're in the car and you're passing the chipper and, you know, you get that waft in the wind. Yeah, <laughs> well... Thankfully, with lockdown now, we haven't been out and about. I am a bit concerned when you know, we're back in town. Um, we would have a favourite Elfenden Castle chicken wings. Uh, mm. So I'm I'm reckoning we will feel very hard done by um, missing out on those. But on the plus side, I did find a recipe that um, is very similar, apparently. Now, I'm put inverted commas there um, to kind of chicken wings made with either cauliflower or jackfruit. So right. <laughs> uh, never did I think it would be talking about jackfruit, but anyway, <laughs> yes. And there you are. My face the first time I opened a tin of jackfruit, I was like, what the heck do you do with this yolk? Like, you know, and the strangest looking thing to come out of a tin. So, uh, but it's actually very, very tasty. Uh, so we will give that a try um, to see if we can kind of sort create some kind of a 
deep fried chicken version yeah. or something. But Well, listen, yeah. good luck to you with it because it is a, quite a transition. But good luck to yourself and the boys and I wish you well. And we'll uh, touch Thanks base with you down the road to, to catch up. Just before we finish okay. our chat, how are you yeah. getting on? Um, you're a one that I know travelled a lot with the business. Uh, you had an office, of course, and uh, you were, I, I saw you writing, I remember back one time about working from home now and again. Now you are at home. You're educating at home. You're working from home. How are you getting on? Um, <clears throat> well, <laughs> about as well as everybody else, I think. Um, no, we the first lockdown uh, was grand. Um, I think I definitely found the second lockdown harder. Um, this time, this lockdown so far, not as tough as the others, but and I'll tell you in part because the boys' school have played a phenomenal role and they have implemented their full timetable online so the boys, you know, kind of have a really good structure to their day. So I'm not up and down and trying to keep an eye and making sure that they're doing stuff and, you know, kind of like on top of them throughout the day. So probably from a selfish perspective, it gives me a little bit more freedom to focus back on work um, mm. where definitely, you know, up until now, I've, I did find it difficult. Definitely missed the travelling. So I was here, there and everywhere all the time. Major withdrawal symptoms. Uh, but loving just kind of chilling out and going for the walks within the 5K. have found loads of lovely spots that, you know, I've lived here all my life, didn't know they existed. Um, and, yeah, just, you know, it's a very much a different pace. Um, I am looking forward to heading back. Italy would be my favourite um, yeah. spot to visit. So I am looking forward to heading um, to Italy. Like this time of the year now, we'd be getting ready to head to the slopes and this is the second year in a row now we've missed it so mm. you know the two boys were only saying that the other night they were like god I'm really having Italian withdrawal symptoms now first world problems obviously uh, in, yes. in the greater scheme of things minor and all kind of you know we can deal with it all but we're all healthy and safe and I never realised how you know I always said I worked from home I'm very lucky that I have an office that's it's detached from the house it's at the bottom of the garden so I can kind of hide down here um, but like I never realised how much out of the house I was you know where it's like yeah I know. my office is in the house mm. you know at home mm. but I was always out at meetings and lovely interviews like chit chatting with yourself and things like that so um, yeah so I found this I found that kind of a struggle as well and you know and you know, I suppose having the boys around all of the time, as much as I love my children, <laughs> every so often you'd be like, oh, jeepers, I just need some headspace to myself. But, um, you know, you're saying you're saying what most people are thinking as well. Of course yeah. it is. It's a challenge for everybody on all those fronts. But look at um, yeah. vaccine willing and time. And it, we just have to have some more patience. Please, God, you know, the Thank world God. as we knew it will get back to a semblance of that. And I couldn't uh, agree with you more. Italy is where I'd love to go. To, we love it ourselves and I'd love to get back there at some yeah. stage. But there is the present and we deal with what we have That's to do it. Uh, folks, day. I just want to tell listeners, if you're and children develop all the time crawling uh, if they need soothing if they need to sip if they need to dip uh, many more things besides grip of course get on to Cogni 
Kids. Check it out. The business is on there online, cognikids.com, and working away really well indeed in and these check strange out our Instagram times. Instagram as well. So. Yes, you're a big one. I know that for Instagram too. On Instagram. Yeah. There is. There is indeed. Alwyn, listen, lovely to talk to you. Take care of yourself. And you too. Mind yourself. Bye. Bye-bye. Good luck with the veggies. That's Alwyn Moore in there. The whole family have gone vegetarian. Listen to this. Had a Renault 5 van. The registration, Jerry, was 91 LH 1111. That's a great reg, isn't it? And only let it go last year. Listen to this. With 32,689 miles on the clock. Wow. Low mileage for 91. Really low. Renault 5 van. I wonder who has that van now. Thank you for getting in touch with me. The Renault 5, we're talking about it. It's coming back. It will be relaunched by Renault. I'm looking at uh, the one they uh, wheeled out to show us, the electric version. It looks nazzy. It really does. Had you a Renault 5? Did you ever drive one? No, you couldn't have won still. If you have any news on the Renault 5, let me know. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me or call in on 1850-715-958. There's a ring about our next story. That's all I'll tell you. Stay with us. Isn't that just shocking news reaching us? You know, Jerry Kiernan, the athlete, he uh, finished ninth in the Olympics in the marathon in 84. Very prominent man and commentator on athletics in more recent years. And he's been coaching uh, Kieran McGeenan and John Travers, uh, great runners of the uh, current era. Well, Jerry has passed away at the age of 67. God, really sorry to hear that. Oh, he was a really nice guy and he'd be well known to you. If you follow sport at all on the television, you would have seen and, and know what we're talking about there. Jerry Kiernan uh, passing away and news just breaking on that one as we're on the air here. Really sorry and condolences to Jerry's family. Really sad news indeed. Uh, Jerry, yes, I had a Renault 5 many moons ago. Says Sarah, love the car. Uh, can't believe they're bringing it back. I'd be interested in one for sure. Thank you indeed for Sarah for that comment indeed. The Renault 5 it was regarded as an icon of its time. I will tell you as well uh, that uh, Renault are talking about bringing back another of their classics. They didn't say which one. It'd hardly be the Renault 4, would it? Do you remember the 4? Never mind the 5 with the gear stick in, in, in the dashboard. Well, we'll see anyway. Now, my next guest, her name is Kiva Mooney and she's on the line. Hello, Kiva. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me on the show. Well, look, let's set the scene for this. You married the love of your life around Christmas time last year. What, when did you get married? We got married on the 23rd of December, there, just at the end of the year. Where did you have the reception or how, could you have one or what did you do? Yeah, we were we were so lucky. Um, we had a beautiful wedding on at Boyne Hill House there outside Navin and they were, they couldn't have been better like they treated us so well and we could have our 25 guests. So we were really lucky. Yeah, strange times. You would have had a bigger, I take it, uh, occasion had uh, time and non-COVID allowed. I think actually it worked out in our favour, Jerry. to be honest, because um, we, we've been together that long. We only got engaged there last summer. So we planned our wedding with the knowledge of everything that's been going on in the, over the last couple of months. So we actually planned a small wedding and we right. were able to have the day we wanted. So we were, we were super lucky. We were so blessed. Isn't that great to hear? It was yeah. just what you wanted. So COVID or anything else made no difference. Hold on a minute. 11 yeah. years. God, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you weren't in a rush. 
No, no. I think other things kind of took priority for a while there. We were building a house and different things. And then when we decided to do it, we said we just go ahead and do it. You know. And and the other thing you did, I, I have to mention this, if you don't mind, about your yeah. wedding. You asked people not to give you any gifts, but you did something really special. Tell listeners what you did. Yeah, well, I suppose once we decided that we were doing something small, we um, we actually set up a charity page for the Irish Hospice Foundation. And we asked guests that we would have had coming on the day. We said, don't be sending us presents. Or even like coming over at the moment, it's not really possible for people to visit us and give us gifts. So yeah, we set up that charity page for the Irish Hospice Foundation. I suppose um, the main reason we chose that charity is because Owen's father kind of had suggested them, and they were a charity that helped the family a lot there a few years ago when his mother passed away. So um, yeah, it was great to be able to support them because I know a lot of charities are finding it difficult at the moment with no fundraising events going on just to kind of keep funds coming in and um, so yeah we were really really grateful to anyone who supported that it was really really great and what support you were able to donate over five thousand euro to them i think it's a marvelous marvelous gesture it really is well yeah. done to both of you right. tell me about the house uh, have you moved in <laughs> yeah we we moved in the weekend before the wedding just right uh, the builders had promised us they'd have us in for Christmas and we we didn't hold them to it because to be fair everybody has had other stuff going on and they weren't being they weren't able to be on site for some of the year last year but um yeah no they really they really pushed and got us got us in for Christmas so we came home married to a new house there for Christmas day it was lovely. Uh, lovely and naturally with Christmas and the new house you had plenty of cardboard and I know this you had uh, to recycle so this is where the story gets interesting so you decided was it yesterday to head for the recycle centre yeah so we both happened to finish work by three o'clock yesterday we're both working from home and we have a garage full of um, packaging from moving mm. into the house and wedding and Christmas and everything so we went over to Navin Recycling Centre with our cardboard yeah, yesterday around three half three just before they closed at half four <laughs> yeah. and um, what happened I'll tell this is what happened it took them 11 years to do it only 11 years and in a, a, a millisecond yesterday it was nearly all over wasn't it <laughs> I wouldn't go that far but, um, <laughs> yeah no we, we noticed on the way home that Owen was missing his wedding ring um, so yeah, four weeks four weeks to the day yesterday was when we got married, and he couldn't find the ring on the way home. So we had a quick look around, couldn't see it on the ground in the yard at the house. So we went back to Navin, hoping and um, that we would be able to come across it somehow in all the all the rubbish. Um, so yeah, the lads at the recycling centre were amazing, and um, I think it was Damien and Robert were working yesterday. And they got into the cardboard recycling. They threw out the stuff that had been thrown on top of ours. They they pushed the machine over and back and they got a torch out. So they were a good 20 minutes searching. And uh, next thing they shouted out, is it silver? And they found the ring at the bottom of the cardboard container. Um, mm. I don't know how they found it, but they did. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? Like, it'd yeah. be so small in the context of where it was. And I'm sure the light went on and they saw this little, I can just picture it myself. Bing! You can see the little <laughs> sparkle of it. And there it was. Relief all round. I'm sure Owen was thrilled that he'd recovered it. Yeah, I mean, like, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. But um, it, we just took the chance that we might find it. And we did. So we were very lucky. 
Ah, oh, all's well that ends well. And I have yeah. to mention Damien Riley and Robert Connor. And I know Gary Gibney uh, works there as well. And I do want to say uh, they are the experts and they did what they had to do with full health and safety knowledge because going into areas like that yeah. is a dangerous game. And I just want to say they did that with all the professional expertise just to let listeners know that there was nobody uh, at risk there at all. But look, they went that extra yard, that extra mile, we have to say for you, uh, to yeah. recover the ring. Just shows you. And tell me this now that you have it back. Does it need a little resizing or what's the story? <laughs> no, um, we were actually so lucky. The lad said yesterday they had emptied that cardboard container earlier that morning. So mm. there wasn't a lot of compacted cardboard in the, in the container at the time. So yeah. it hadn't been moved around too much. It was it, mm. it, we were really lucky. We went back at the right time to, to just get it on time before it got pushed in more, you know? Yes, yes. So the ring is, there's no damage of that to the ring. And no. what about his finger? Will you get a little super glue now or something? <laughs> or what's the story? No, I think I'll have to do the bin from now on, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it can happen so easily. Normally yeah. you hear about it in the home, you know, that it slips off when somebody's washing up or doing things, doing uh, stuff like that. Uh, but a little bit unusual the way it happened it, yourselves yeah. yesterday. It, it really, really was. Uh, so there you are. The ring is back and uh, there's no uh, nothing lost from the, the wedding in December and uh, it's no. back on his finger to stay now. So there... There you are, you a new home, wedding behind you. God Almighty, twenty twenty one, and the ring back is shaping up great, isn't it? Yeah, we didn't, we didn't hold, we didn't, uh, didn't hold us back anyway. No, no, it certainly didn't. Well, yeah. look, thank for thank you uh, for joining me to tell me your lovely little story. It's uplifting indeed, and well done to the boys in uh, Navin Recycling who worked on your behalf and wish you and own all the very best for the future in your married life and your new home. Thank you, Quiva. Thank you so much, Jerry. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Quiva Mooney there. The lost ring. Yes, it is easy to lose them. It really is at times. Now, uh, late lunch. LMFM Radio. What else? I wanted to mention something else yesterday. Yeah, I was. I did mention the cars, didn't I? Yeah, the Renault 5, the Renault 4. Eddie Joyce, my good friend, he's probably listening today. Eddie had a Renault 4 because I remember the gear stick on the dash. I'd never seen it really uh, until I saw that car when Eddie had it. I remember we, he went to Donegal with us. I remember driving around Donegal in the Renault 4 as well uh, back then. Yes, today. Remember, folks, today. Today is a very important day. Did you, did you cop this? It's the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century. 21, 21, 21. Yes, Buck Rogers, <laughs> eat your heart out <laughs> indeed. Yes, all the 21s coming together this very day. Is anyone superstitious about that? I'm not really, but there you are. It's a coincidence. It's a day we've all lived through that no one will live through again. Late lunch, LMFM radio. Still to come on the show. We're heading to Germany shortly. We were in Washington earlier on to meet a local girl. Well, she has a story and a half to tell about how her wonderful design career uh, developed. We have your song from the Carpenters. Don't forget that coming up as well. And we will be remembering the late, great Philip Heary Jr. Don't forget, if you love country music, make sure you check out our dedicated online country radio service. It's called LMFM Country. You'll find Just Great Country with the likes of Mike Denver, Johnny Cash, Nathan Carter, Michael English and so many more. Do join our presenters, Darren Mahan and Paul McKenna, every day as they bring you Just Great Country. And you can tune in now on the LMFM app 
or lmfm.ie. That's just great country all day, every day. My friend Eddie Joyce is listening. He said, Jerry, I had a Renault 5 as well as the Renault 4. Anyway, I far preferred the 4. By the way, there are still lots of Renault 4s on the go in the Algarve in Portugal, where I visit frequently. So there you are. There's still a big thing in uh, Portugal. Thanks to Paul, who's just watched at me in a picture. It's a it looks like a brand new Renault 4. Again, the Renault 4. Could it be the next one that they're going to announce that is coming back? Thank you, Paul, for the picture. Looks much snazzier. No disrespect to you, Eddie, or anybody else who had a Renault 4 and loved them than the older model. But there you are. That looks like a concept of a possible Renault 4 coming down the road. Now we move on on late lunch this afternoon and we're heading to Germany now to say hello to a girl originally from Kilberry in Navin. Her name is Orla Howard. Hello, Orla. Hello, Jerry. How are you? Nice to be on. Ah, nice to have you with us. You are, I always like to, you know, you know us Irish people. Who is she? I don't know that name, <laughs> but I do know the name English Bee. You're an English Bee. I'm an English Bee, yeah, and I love that you called me girl. <laughs> I'm not the youngest <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you're always girls and we're always boys you keep that That's in your true. head it's very very important no matter what age you are believe me it's one of the <laughs> secrets of my success I've just let it out this afternoon on the radio anyway here's the thing because your business name comes or is a derivative indirectly of your maiden name English B tell them the story it is indeed and I think I have to thank my old classmates in Mercy Convent and Navin for that one because you know how kids are in Ireland especially if you have an unusual surname it'll be turned into something even more unusual so they turned English B into Irish Wasp and then when it came to picking a name for my company I just said why not turn it into something <laughs> useful and I go by Irish Wasp I love that in Irish people I hope they've copped that in late lunch land English B Irish Wasp Fantastic. And especially here in Germany, it it gets, uh, it's a conversation starter. People would then want to know, they they know straight away that I'm Irish and want to know then where it came from. So it, it gets customers over at markets and stuff if they see the name written up. Well, I was curious this morning and on I went and had a look at Irish Wasp creations and you, may I say, are a real talent. But here's the thing. This isn't where you set out to get to in your life because you're an engineer, a civil engineer. I am originally a civil engineer. I studied in UCC back in the day, 88 to 92. And yeah, I came over to Germany working as an engineer. I worked for eight years as an engineer until I went into maternity leave. And Mm. it was only later, I've always knitted, and it was only later while I was at home that I took it up a bit more seriously, I suppose. But uh, I'd never intended not going back to engineering originally. But Mm. fate stepped in, as it does. And uh, my eldest daughter was very sick, and she was in hospital. She had a brain tumour. And... In that time, I think I watched the other parents on the Children's Cancer Board and watched how they were trying to juggle their job, their families, the sick child, and I thought, that's not what I want. So I decided to stay at home with my children and was looking for something to do while I was at home. Uh, Not that I didn't have enough to do with the children, but as they got older, I had a bit more time, and I just started knitting a bit more seriously. And, yeah, I haven't looked back, really. 
So you're that's... fantastic, and we have to mention Liana, your eldest daughter. Yeah. Um, it was a serious illness, and ultimately she did pass away at six years of age. But do you ever feel that she gave you this gift? Oh, absolutely, and she's with me every moment when I'm knitting. And you know, when she was in the hospital. In the evening times, before we'd leave in the evening, I'd sit by her bed and I'd knit and she'd hold my ball of yarn. Uh, I think it was so that I couldn't leave until she fell asleep. And she'd hold my ball of yarn in her hand while while she was going to sleep. And for a while after she died, I have to say, I wasn't able to knit for a while. I, for a few months, I just put my down my needles and said, no, can't knit yet. But I picked them up again, thankfully. And uh, yeah. Kept on the living. rest is history and you you are so well established now. And you have two other daughters, Sophie and Mia as well. And Maya, I wanted yeah. to just, Maya, sorry, Sophie and Maya. I, I wanted okay. to uh, just ask you about that for a, a German context because I was talking a little while ago to Alwyn Morn, who has two boys and she's homeschooling at the moment. Are they both home just as a... As a um, Maya is. She's actually, I think, upstairs listening on her mobile phone at the moment. Hi, Maya. (laughs) And Sophie is actually in school because Sophie is in the equivalent of the Leaving Cert. It's called the Abitur. She does her Abitur now starting in April. And they're in school at the moment. But luckily, there aren't that many of them because it's only the one year that are in. So they're spread out among a number of classrooms. And so she's in school every day at the moment and she prefers that herself. I think she felt a bit lost otherwise just at home. But the rest mm. of the children are all at home. And okay, so independently. Yeah. You probably know that they tried to uh, make that scenario real here as well, that leaving certs would go in, but it hasn't happened so far. But there you are, it is happening in Germany. What about the restrictions in general? Is it as tight? You know, you know, we are in level five, uh, almost complete lockdown here at the moment. Is it the same there? It's they like to think that we have a complete lockdown they call it a lockdown but people a lot of the time go about their business now there were more restrictions brought in uh, yesterday and from now on we're going to have to wear actual medicinal masks surgical masks in shops on public transport and I believe in churches as well so that will be a bit of a, a change I mean everybody has their own homemade masks uh, they won't be allowed to be used in shops anymore so, uh, yeah, we've ordered a few in of the, of the other ones, which we then now have to use. Apart from that, um, people are generally staying about, but the numbers are they're similar to Ireland. I mean, the area I live in is Hessen. It's the, the state of Hessen. It would have a similar population to Ireland, about, I think, 6 million. And the daily cases are something around about 1,000, I think, at the moment as well. So, mm. yeah, mm. We're, we're looking at, at similar numbers, really. But yeah, well, you just leave the house, really, to bring Sophie to school, pick her up and once every week, week and a half to go shopping and that's about it. We go out and bring the dog for a walk. <laughs> the world is in the same boat all over when you talk to people and we have people we talk to all over Europe and beyond as well and everybody in in a similar vein but our cases, like you mentioned a thousand we've been up to six thousand a day here in Ireland uh, for a number of weeks it's an awful lot and the number of deaths are very very high as well but that's an interesting trend there you know uh, a change in the quality of the mask that has to be yeah. worn watch this space I say to people listening today in an Irish context now come back to you and what you do. Um, you, your work is just gorgeous. Tell me about the Thank little you. felt, the felt figures. I saw some figures that you could put into a crib, you know, for example. I'm only giving one example. but yeah, um, I started about, I think it was probably about six years ago, a friend sent me a picture. I always have people send me things going, oh, you could make this or you could make this. And, you know, if I had 
the time or the inclination, I suppose, sometimes to make some of the things. But this was one that really caught my eye. It was a little felted fairy. And I thought I could try. And I have to admit, my first few attempts weren't really that pretty. But I kept working at it. And I have them down now to something that I'm happy with. And I make them as well um, to order. I've made a few. One of the ones I'm most proud of is... I made for a friend in Navan. I think a lot of people in Navan will have known Sonny O'Rourke, the cobbler. And mm. for his son, for his 50th birthday, for Noel, his wife asked me to make a cobbler. So I made a depiction of Sonny O'Rourke, and that's that's the cobbler that I have on my page. And a few like that, that, you know, people will order and say, can it look like such and such a person? Or if they're hobby, I made one now for a friend of my daughter's. Uh, it's a, a teenager playing badminton. They turn 18 next week. Things like that, and then made a little badminton racket in the hand, or if um, just various different hobbies that people have, somebody's into painting or whatever, I'll try and make some miniatures to go with this. But yeah, it's something I enjoy doing, and I usually have quite a few of them on myself, but I have to say, last Christmas, Irish social media, more than anything, really took off, and people ordered and ordered from me. It was brilliant. I sent out so many dolls that I think I only have I'm just sitting here looking at them there's eight dolls on my shelves at the moment still available yeah. but uh, nice. yeah it's 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 something that I really enjoy doing I, I try a lot of different things some things work some things don't and the dolls were something that worked just to put it to put it mildly and I will always try to do something a little bit different um most of them are just the, the fairies with long dresses, but if somebody wants a male doll in a pair of trousers, I can, I can do that too at this stage. The first, my first attempts, as I said, weren't weren't the prettiest, but. Uh, practice makes perfect. It certainly does, and you are well practiced. That's just one aspect. People should go go on and check this out. Irish Wasp Creations on Facebook. Have a look at it, folks. You'll be amazed uh, at the range uh, that Orla has. Um, you know, you mentioned Sonny O'Rourke there, and I just, my heart stopped for a second because really? many moons ago, I did a little series called Forgotten Crafts and the cobbler oh, wow. was one of them. And I went over to Sonny really? and I I have it somewhere on a disc uh, put away. I must dig it out again, that little series and replay it. And it was the most wonderful experience. And I was always grateful I'd have it. I have it somewhere and I will have to yeah, now go back. Y- you've given me a reminder on that yeah, one. You have that to one scroll there down through the page and you should see the picture of Sonny, of, of the doll of Sonny that I have. Right. I have to, it's, it's probably a bit further down, but it's there somewhere that you could see it. But, Lovely. Uh, isn't, isn't, isn't that funny? <laughs> Small world. It's you one know, of the characters of Navin, I think, that yes, was always around. Yes, absolutely. Now, you obviously, uh, and I think of Germany and the markets on the run into Christmas, uh, you know, it's, it's big. Uh, we all know that. And people travel from Ireland to those markets and all over Europe, in fact. You were denied the markets this year. How did you fare out? Was it a big loss to you? No, the opposite, actually. I had really? a lot less stress. <laughs> I, well, that's, as I said, um, social media took over. And I really have to say, Irish social media um, were so supportive of everybody that does handcrafts, of all small businesses. Um, there were so many different sites popped up, just people supporting uh, handcrafts and, and sending their friends my way. I have so many of my friends shared my page on Facebook or shared things on Twitter and 
I sold probably more than I normally would at a market <laughs> or, or, or at <laughs> all of the, the markets that I would attend. So I, I did quite well out of it, uh, looking back on it. And yesterday, it was funny, I got an email with um, from PayPal of just the, the rundown of sales in December. And my international sales, the majority of them went to Ireland. So that was uh, that's saying something. That's that yes. just shows how the uh, how the the Irish people really went all out there to support small businesses last Christmas. Ah, oh, that's really a, good a to huge hear. Thank you on my part to everybody who not just bought from me, but all of the ones who just you know sometimes just a share on Facebook is enough to get somebody else interested mm-hmm. or to get them looking at it, thinking, oh yeah, I could buy that as well. So um, it it really does help. People like myself who are just running a small business to to um, spread the word, let's say. And, it uh, does. And it just shows you like the power of it and that you could keep trading. But look at never knock those markets. They're lovely. You can't be oh, wandering are, yeah. through them, you know, and at the exchange, the personal nature of them looking at things. And please, God, they will come back. But well done to you uh, with the way, uh, you know, social media has been there for you and to keep the show on the road. I know you have um, you still have plenty of relations in the Kilberry area. They're not in Kilberry anymore. My parents are living in Athboy. I think they're probably listening. All right. So hello, Mum and okay. Dad. Um, Dara, my sister's in Athboy. I've got a sister up in Donegal, sister in Dunshockland, sister in Limerick, a sister in Tralee, a brother in Newbridge, brothers in Athboy, and two brothers in England. So, yeah, we're all over the place. <laughs> She's disowned Kilberry. Sorry, Kilberry, this afternoon. You yeah, don't rape today. Lots of, lots of friends in Kilberry, too. So, a big shout out to everybody in Kilberry. <laughs> Ah, you do indeed. Well, and look, um, I think I'd better give a shout out as well to, as I mentioned my old classmates, we have, a, we have a WhatsApp group going and I have to say through the whole of COVID, we've kept each other, well I won't say sane because I doubt any of us are, but but definitely we've kept each other laughing and kept each other amused through the whole lot of it, just sending each other jokes and funny comments. So a big shout out to all of the Mercy Girls from Navin from the, the, the class of 98, they're, they're a good bunch. Well, you know, WhatsApp groups have been a saviour for so many relationships of people who haven't been able to physically uh, see each other at this time. And uh, thank God we had that technology. I wish you well uh, with uh, the business. And I want to say to listeners again, check it out. Irish Wasp Creations. Check it out on Facebook there and you will be more than pleased with what you see. Orla Howard, Ni English B. Nice to talk to you today on the show. Thank you very, very much. Lovely chatting to you, Jerry. All right. Take care of yourself. Bye. Bye. Lovely lady, isn't she? Yes, based in Essen in Germany, speaking to us this afternoon on Late Lunch. Still to come on the show, yes, the Carpenters have a lovely song for you today. Philip Heary. Oh, my. When I heard yesterday that he'd passed on. I was so sad and uh, we interviewed him. I interviewed him on Late Lunch back in 2019, September time. And we're going to listen to uh, some of that interview after three on the show today. If you want to get in touch, don't forget the usual numbers. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text is the best way to get me at this stage. Can I mention something to you before I go to the break? I have it here sitting beside me. Do you remember we spoke to Pauline McGlynn? Uh, patron of Little Hill Animal Rescue before Christmas on the show. Well, they're back in the northeast, and this weekend they're looking to listeners today to late lunch to rescue some hens. Imagine, take a couple of hens and you'll have fresh eggs forevermore. Well, they're going to be in Navin and Kells this Sunday. 
with hens, which you can adopt. All you have to do is contact them on their Facebook page. It's Little Hill Animal Rescue and Sanctuary. That's Little Hill Animal Rescue and Sanctuary. Uh, and you can reserve your hens there and then meet them in Navin and Kells this Sunday to pick up your beauties and those eggs fresh every morning. Think about it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Soldier toast, dipping into them and them soft. Can't beat it. Back in a moment. That Renault 5 van, a listener in touch with us early on, I was saying to, to you, I wonder where it's gone at this stage. And 91 LH 1111. Well, back on to us to say actually it was scrapped because there was so much rust on the car and the end well from 91 to last year it's a long time isn't it so she's gone never to live again but word that the Renault 5 new concept electric is on the way back now just reminding you again uh, on the uh, sporting front that we have commentary of many Premier League games here on Saturdays on LMFM and you can listen in uh, by clicking on the LMFM app if you're on your smartphone or the listen tab on the LMFM website. Now there aren't many games this weekend because the cup is on the fourth round but there's one big one Aston Villa against Newcastle 8 o'clock on Saturday and remember you can get closer to the action with Premier League live with Now TV. Only pay for the games that matter to you, your sport on your terms with Now TV, the big Premier League games. United back at the top. City were top for a few minutes yesterday. Then United went back top. Leicester are there. Liverpool, Tottenham in the hunt as well. Oh, it's an interesting race, isn't it, for the Premier League title this year. It's great. I love it. More clubs involved, the better, instead of somebody running away with it. Now, our featured artists of the week on Late Lunch this week are the Carpenters. And I was just looking at uh, their star on the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame, the Carpenters, and was unveiled shortly after actually Karen died. There was a very poignant unveiling with uh, Richard there and lots of the family as well. And um, they were a great group for touring. I was just looking between 71 and 75. That's five years. They did 814 concerts. That's an average of over 160 a year. So just show you, it just shows you how popular they were. And they sold out those venues and they traveled extensively with their music. And of course, the music it is easy listening and it lives on. And today we're going back to May 1970. And it was Bert Bacharach, a famous name, and Herb Alpert, who convinced the Carpenters to give this one a go. And my word, were they right? Because it went to number one in the USA for four weeks. Here we go, close to you. Ah, yes, the Carpenters. Beautiful. Karen Carpenter's voice. Just listen to it forever, to be honest with you. So, so beautiful. Really is. Our featured artist of the week on Late Lunch, The Carpenters, this week, and our final song from The Carpenters coming your way round right about the same time tomorrow on the show. If you want hens, they have no number. Sorry, you have to get in touch with them via the Facebook page. Little Hill Animal Rescue and Sanctuary is the Facebook page if you'd like to pick up hens in Navin or Kells this weekend. That's Little Hill Animal Rescue and Sanctuary. Facebook is the only way, I'm sorry to say, you contact them. Get in touch with them. If you haven't got a computer, you should get somebody to look it up for you and they'll get you the details, put you in touch with them. Now, heading to a final break this Thursday afternoon on Late Lunch. 
Philip Heary Jr., what a great man he was. So well known in the Kells, Meath area and beyond. Generous to a fault, lovely guy. I interviewed him back in 2019. Sadly, he passed away unexpectedly in recent days. And we're going to go back to that interview on Late Lunch in a moment. In September 2019 on Late Lunch, we carried a feature on sepsis. And subsequent to the feature, uh, Philip Heary got in touch with us because he had recovered from sepsis. He'd been in hospital a long, long time through 2019. And sadly, during that time, his dad, Philip Sr., had passed away. I want to go back to that interview and let's listen to Philip Jr. And he begins here by talking about that awful tough time while hospitalised when he lost his dad. I was a very lucky man to say that I lived at home for 35 years. And then I worked with my father all my working days. I worked with him on the scaffolding. We worked with him cutting timber. We worked with him in the agricultural contract. And I was blessed to say that I spent all of my working life with my father. And the morning he passed away was one of the hardest things. It's like that song, Mike and the Mechanics, The Living Years. I wasn't there that morning when my father passed away. I wanted to tell him all the things I wanted to say. You know, it's just so meaning. And that was one of the hardest things. And will always be a hard thing. But the day that my father died, and that was on the 22nd of June, that's the day that the doc came in and he took the, the track he asked me out of me. And uh, he said to me, Philip, he said, we have been weaning you for the last two weeks, he says. Now, he said, you didn't know, he said, but you probably found a difference. I said, in no time, doctor, he said, I found a bit of a bit of change. In me breeding, he said, "No, he says you're actually now breeding on your own." On that day, on that on that very day, it's as if my father mm-hmm. passed over and gave me his life. And you couldn't go. You there was no way you could go to his funeral. He was. I couldn't, and his funeral was a couple of days later. Mm. And I asked Doctor Sadler and. Uh, She's the professor there, and she said to me, Philip, she says, you're after coming a long journey, she says. You defied everything, she says. If you go to the funeral, she says, and anything happens, she says, where are you going to get oxygen, she says. Do you know, if you get an infection again, right, and she says, she says, all our good work will be undone. When I said, doctor, I said to her, I am not going to go against your wishes, I said. That must have been very tough. It was very, very tough. So it was. But a friend of mine, Christopher Duffy, came up and we looked at my father's funeral on the net. The Celts churches on the net, you know. And a good friend of mine, Brian Corn, the funeral undertaker in Celts, he looked after Daddy. And I'll tell you one thing. I was so proud of my family and so proud looking at it from my hospital bed there was nothing I could do and the best people looked after daddy when I wasn't there to look after him you know and that was very and the amount of people that day that came from Kells I had 14 visitors that day came up from Kells to see me in my hospital bed when you were lying in hospital Jerry as long as I would if a mouse 
stuck his head up at you, you'd be so happy to see him. And especially to see somebody from home. There is no place like home. And look at the friends, those friends. Those you friends. really do know who's oh, who. God. Don't you? you? Know when you go through this. Yeah. The amount of cards, Sherry, I mm. got was only this studio wouldn't hold them. Mm. The amount of medals, the amount of priests that came up to see me. I said, the Cistercian monks. I had the chaplains, you name it. I had them all. The uh, uh, chap used to come to me with a, a Padre Pio glove. Padre Pio. Padre Pio glove, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There is a God out there. Let nobody tell you that there's not. There is definitely. Tell them how you did beat the hospital eventually and get to a significant day for your dad. The day my father died, as I said, I, I asked Dr. Salvia, could I go home to his funeral? And she said, no. And I said to her, uh, I'm out here, I says, the 26th. And she said to me, I'm the doctor, she says. I don't tell you how to cut silence, she says. And what do you mean, she says, you're out here the 26th? Well, I said, I was speaking to me mother, I said, and she's going to have his month's mind on the Sunday the 28th, and I'm going to be there for that, I says. So I'm out here Friday the 28th. And she said to me, not a hope. You will be here, she says, until the end of September. And I was, she might as well hit me with an anvil, right? And I just said nothing to her. I respected her wishes. And she was there and she had a cup of coffee in her hand. And I should tell you one thing, she's a brilliant doctor. So she is. And uh, she walked out of my room and I was ready to flood into tears. And I heard her, clip-clopping down the hall and the clip-clopping stopped and I said she's after stopping so she turned and she came back and she stuck her head into my room and she said to me Mr. Heary she says prove me wrong I will I says and you did I did you got out I did I was going down to call him I had an absolute brilliant and I, when I say all the staff in the matter hospital are brilliant. Right down from the cleaners to the people that gave me my dinner. I had a brilliant physio in it, so I had. She was absolutely... Aoife was her name. Aoife Lennon. And when I used to see Aoife coming in the morning with this machine for making me get up off the bed, I used to cry. I couldn't lift my bum off the bed. And she would just persevere with me and persevere with me. And she got me standing up again that I was able to get up on a walker to walk. She got me going, do you know what I mean? So she was she was a serious inspiration to me. And Unreal. you got out. And, and I got you, out it, and I got down to the gym to call him the next physio. He was my mm. next step. And the first day I was down in the gym, uh, Colm said, I'm going to run you through a few things. So I just said to my father, I said, little lad, I says, because I'm a big man and daddy was only a small fella, and I said, little man, I says, I need your help. I says, I want to go home. I said, you are gone and I have to come back. I said, and I have to look after my mother. And I said, I want to look after everything again. I says, that's where I belong at home. And it's as if he just put his hand out to me and ran me around that gym that day. I couldn't get over it, right? 
So I done well and I went down every day from me a half hour to me hour and I walked and at night Liz used to come up to me and she'd bring me walking down the corridors, the link corridors, she'd bring me walking or she'd bring me out to the front and she she was, uh, talk about the wind beneath my wings, she gave me the inspiration every evening to get out, walk, she wouldn't let me lie in the bed, she, when I was able to get out of the bed she kept me walking, right? Walking, walking, walking. She said to me, I'm not coming up here. She says, for another two months. I just couldn't do it. She said, and I said, I don't blame you, baby. He says, I'm getting out of here. So on the morning of the 25th, Dr. Sadly came in to me at 10 to 8. And she was all smiles. And she said to me, I've good news for you, she says. Have you? I says, it looks like you're out here tomorrow, she says. I told you, didn't I? Yeah, prove me wrong, she says. Yes, he did indeed. Philip Heary Jr., we remember him today. Sympathy to his partner and family. He really will be missed by you and by all others he helped during his lifetime. Yes, he said in that interview to us that there is a God he believed and trusted in. Philip is with him now. That's our lot on Late Lunch today. We leave you with this song dedicated to Philip Heary's, me- Heary's memory. See you tomorrow. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.